Welcome back to Lost Boys Cypher Circle. Dylan exclaims excitedly. Was I not supposed to read that part out loud? Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Welcome back to the circle. If you didn't know, now you do. I'm going to tell you this is home of all things artistic. So if you got a song, a poem, um, a story, some artwork you'd like to share, just a conversation you'd like to have, this is the place to come get your thoughts and your feelings heard. Um, if you'd like to be on the show, um, you can message me on Facebook at Dylan Lawler or um, email me at lostboy420x at gmail.com. That's Dylan Lawler on Facebook or lostboy420x at gmail.com. Um, as always, guys, before we get started, I want to take a second to talk about mental health. Um, as I always say, it is a big part of life. It's a big part of what we do here. Um, we wouldn't be artists without it. We wouldn't be humans without having having that that pain that we struggle with every day and doing things to overcome it. Whether you're an artist and you use that as your therapy or it's something else, um, like I said, some uh, something I always say is uh, keep using whatever your tool is, your poetry, your songs, your woodworking, whatever whatever you do. Um, as a therapy to keep getting through the struggles. And also just know there is always someone to talk to, whether you think there is or not. Um, I know that's sometimes a hard thing to hear and like it, it gets repeated like a broken record, but it is true. There is always someone to talk to, a friend, a colleague. You can text me or call me. I'll talk to you. Um, there's also a mental health hotline that you can text uh, at 988. And if you go to their lifelinecrisis.com, um, you can find the numbers for like your area codes because it's different for different area codes, I believe. Um, so go check out their website and um, you can text that uh, hotline as well. Also, um, if you are looking for a little additional help, there is betterhelp.com. Um, what they do is they kind of like hook you up with a online therapist they do it in like two days. And if they, you don't vibe with the therapist and you're not like, you know, cause sometimes that's the hardest thing about therapy is you just don't like the person you're talking to. It's some like weird dude in a suit sitting across from you. And you're like, you know, um, so if they'll switch it out with you until you find a therapist that you like, um, therapy can be expensive. This is one of the cheapest options that I've found out there. So um, I hope some people find some help there. Um, sorry, excuse me. Um, before we get started uh, and bring our first artist up, um, I just want to give a trigger warning real quick. We do cover some sensitive topics on here, given that we are about mental health awareness. Um, and we, we cover a vast variety of, of subjects on here. So um, I always say if there's something that you don't like, um, feel free to mute it and walk away or click out of the show entirely. I will not be offended. Nobody on here will be offended in the slightest. I understand that different things can trigger different people for different reasons. And sometimes you, you don't even know why it's triggering you. It's just It just is. So that being said, I hope there isn't anything that triggers people on here too bad and we can have a good show tonight. Um, moving forward, I'm going to bring up 
our first artist tonight. Um, her name is Patricia Ray. Um, she's an author. She uh, has a book out now on Amazon called Tales of American Idiocy. Um, the way I understand it is it is a, a collection of short stories from the perspective of anthropomorphic beings, um, in this case, cats, which if you don't know what anthropomorphic means, it's um, animals or objects that can talk or think like humans, um, like most of Disney's movies. Um, if you, you can also, she also has a blog on goodreads.com. You can find that at p.rinfidel. Um, and you can follow her at Patricia Ray on Facebook um, or on gab.com at Proud Info, Proud Infidel 911. Um, I'm going to play her flyer real quick and we'll get her up here. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the wonderful intro and the warm welcome. Yeah, I, I try my best. You know, it's not it's not perfect, but I try to give everybody, you know, the the props and the respect that they deserve. So well, I think you succeed. Um, if I could just make a little correction about my book. Uh, one of the stories is about cats. I actually have um, it's there's five animal stories total in the book and it's best comparable to animal farm. I don't know if you've ever read that where George okay, so Orwell not, does this commentary. It's not just cats. It's a, it's there's other animals, right? There's one about okay. alligators. Um, there's one about, okay. uh, farm animals. I call it horse ranch. It's kind of a nod to Orwell's animal farm. Um, and that one touches on, um, you know, some of the unwise immigration policies we have. Um, the one that I'm going to read, Conspiracy Cat, that has cats in it um, and other pets. And then uh, there is another one uh, called Delilah the Brave that's about deer. And it is a nod to the uh, some of the COVID policies that were in place. So basically, this book is just kind of a commentary on some of the things that have been happening in the early 2020s. Um, so, and it's, it's allegorical, uh, some people love it. Some people are hate it, but as hopefully I've picked out a story that everyone can identify with tonight. Uh, the story of Chester, the conspiracy cat. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely, definitely excited for it. I apologize for the confusion. I just, I love the, I do. I love the artwork though. The cat on the front cover is what is what made me think it was just cats. Um, but I love, I love that artwork, um, on that front cover. It's awesome. Um, so, so Bosch Fawcett shout, did that. Shout out to shout out to the art. What, what's yep. that again? Bosch Faustin. Bosch Faustin is the gentleman who did that art. So yeah, I don't know if okay, you've ever awesome. heard of him. He actually, yeah, yeah. I don't believe I so. have, but um, shout out to him. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, the that's that's the first piece you're going to be sharing with us tonight. Is um, one more time. Well, it's called Conspiracy Cat. Conspiracy Cat. Okay. And it is a, mm -hmm, and it's about uh some of the things that happened during COVID. So All right, cool. I'll uh, I'll drop myself out of here and I'll let you get to it. All right. Thank you very much. 
Okay, so again, the story is called Conspiracy Cat by PR Infidel inside of the book, Tales of American Idiocy. Soon the humans will all wear muzzles and be chained to their homes by their great glowing boxes. This announcement by Chester the Cat stopped the weekly meeting of the pets of Sunnyside Street cold. Not because they were surprised by Chester. He was, after all, the neighborhood conspiracy cat. Known for making odd announcements about aliens, lizard people, and government plots for totalitarian control, Chester was a well of odd machinations, most of which he announced at inopportune moments. He even wore a tinfoil hat that each week boasted another layer of the shiny kitchen essential. It rose then above his awkward eyes, awkward because his right eye was twice as large as his left and constantly watering. Also, his nose continuously twitched. Indeed, all of Chester seemed to shudder, an endless nervous tick that Chester insisted was the result of aliens shooting electrical energy through his body. Uh, Chester, said Tommy the tortoise, that's weird, even for you. Weird doesn't begin to describe it, Chester said, his tremor intensifying. When the humans don their muzzles, they will isolate themselves. Then you will see them change. But why would the humans wear muzzles, laughed Bonnie the Collie. The muzzles will restrict their oxygen. All organs, especially the brain, rely on oxygen. Oxygen restriction will limit the human's ability to think critically and question the obscene. Also, forcing the humans into social isolation will alter their brain waves, Chester continued. Oxygen deprivation coupled with social isolation will launch them into a state of psychosis, making them vulnerable to suggestion. Then and only then will they be willing to surrender their civil liberties to the government and undergo mass pharmaceutical experimentation. This was said with great emphasis, and Chester stood on his hind legs, his front paws in the air, his tinfoil hat slipping over his head. Tommy the tortoise, Rocky the Labrador, and Bonnie Lass the collie all looked at him, aghast. A Siamese kitten named Misty said, you're crazy. Chester looked at her with his large, watering eye. Don't worry about my mental health, little one. Worry about your humans. And with that, Chester launched himself dramatically over the back of the fence, leaving the other animals of Sunnyside Street speechless. The next morning, Tommy the tortoise walked into the kitchen. His human, a middle-aged, single, portly gentleman, was looking at his laptop, but in a strange sort of way. The screen was positioned so that all Tommy could see were his human's eyes. They were unusually large, liquid, and fearful. His human almost didn't look like himself. The tortoise shook his head. He must have misinterpreted his human on account of hunger. Yes, that was it, he thought. So Tommy sauntered over to his bowl, expected to see the usual offering of carrots and baby spring greens. Instead, it lay empty, another unusual finding, and one that simply wouldn't do. After all, Tommy was hungry. He smacked the bowl with his foot, clearing a metallic ring, then looked at his human, who was still staring at his computer screen. The tortoise sighed, then smacked the bowl again, but more forcefully. This time, his human looked up, and Tommy caught his breath. Covering his human's mouth and nose was a large, unsightly strip of cloth, a muzzle. Across the street, Misty was having a similar experience. Her human, a 20-something female yoga instructor, was sobbing herself senseless on her futon. She'd started off by soaking her pillow. Then she grabbed Misty, drenching her fur and holding her with a grip that almost sent the cat running behind the washing machine. Almost. Misty resisted the urge for two reasons. One, her human needed her, 
really needed her. And two, Misty was curious, not an unusual state for a cat. There was something very odd going on here. Her human was talking about never being able to see her boyfriend again or work as a yoga instructor again and how something was going to kill her. But Misty didn't quite hear what that something was because her human's words were slurred by tears. No more parties again, Misty. No more fun. I want to die. Wait a second, Misty thought when her human said that. All of these things had one thing in common, social isolation. Her human was afraid of social isolation, just like Chester had foretold. Two doors down, Rocky the Labrador and Bonnie the Collie were sitting and watching a great glowing box. Their humans, a married couple, were seated on the couch behind them, letting out the occasional sigh or gasp of terror. Have you ever heard such a load of crap in your life? Rocky asked Bonnie when they were halfway through the broadcast. Well, it's CNN, so... They're trying to scare the humans to death, Rocky continued. Over a virus with a 99% survival rate. And just look at our humans, wearing muzzles. Don't they know viruses float right through those things? It's like using a chain link fence to stop a mosquito. Yeah, muzzles don't do anything, just like the animal version. Rocky cocked his head at the glowing box. I don't know about that, Bonnie, he disagreed. How so? Muzzles do do something. When I wear one, I can't bark or whine very well. I also, I also feel submissive and easier to control. Wait a second. The dogs looked at each other. You don't think, Bonnie said. What, that Chester was right? Bonnie didn't answer. She looked back at the glowing box and Rocky followed suit. They watched the CNN newsman drone away about a vaccine the humans were rush, rushing through for the better part of five minutes before Rocky said, I think we need to have a special meeting. We can't let this go a week. Besides, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I want to know what else Chester knows. When Chester appeared before the animals at the special meeting the next day, his reception was much different. At his arrival, the gathered pets quietly quieted immediately and parted with a president or dignitary. All eyes were on him, transfixed and curious. The cat noticed their behavior, but didn't alter his. He merely sidled up to his normal place atop the fence post and adjusted his tinfoil hat, waiting for Bonnie or Rocky to call the meeting to order. But this time, no one called the meeting to order. No one began speaking, and all eyes remained on Chester. What? He belted at last. He wasn't used to quiet. He was used to sneaking his theories in between everyone else's statements. Well, Rocky began awkwardly, we were wondering what your next prediction is. Yeah, like which stocks will go up, Tommy was joking, mostly to cover his distress. His human had been very devout about muzzle wearing over the last two days, and it disturbed Tommy greatly. He missed his human smile. Misty, who had called Chester crazy at the last visit, was much humbler this time. We want to know what's going to happen to the humans, Chester. Mine has been crying for two days straight. Mine won't stop watching their glowing box, Tommy exclaimed. Mine either. How do we stop this, Chester? Bonnie asked. Yeah, what's the lizard people's endgame? All right, everyone, quiet down, Rocky interjected. Let Chester answer. The Labrador nodded up at the conspiracy cat. Go ahead, Chester. Chester looked down at the troubled animals. He felt bad for what he was about to say next, but it had to be said. For all his faults, lying wasn't one of them. The end game of this unethical social experiment was not devised by the lizard people, although they are involved. No, Big Pharma and the U.S. government are the main players. They want to create a more obedient human being. But why, Misty squeaked, 
Most of human energy is spent trying to control other human beings. It has been this way since the dawn of human civilization. Some humans are as addicted to power as they are caffeine. Right now, humans with this addiction control the seat of power in the U.S. and the world. As for the how, Chester continued, the humans will further descend into madness. You will see them don two muzzles and cover their eyes with plastic. Then they will begin speaking to their glowing boxes. Watch for it. When it happens, you will know they are one step closer to agreeing to the experiment. And Chester exited as dramatically as before, falling backward into the ground behind the fence, his tinfoil hat tumbling after him. Just as Chester had predicted, the humans began to wear two masks, then to cover their eyes with plastic. Tommy's dad put a hood over his eyes until he looked like a welder. Now, not only did Tommy miss his human smile, but the love from his human's eyes as well. Bonnie and Rocky's humans had a thick pair of glasses that fit over their regular glasses. They wore these most of the time, except when they took them off to talk to their glowing boxes. Misty's human stuck with one mask, but she was an emotional wreck. She talked to her glowing box, or rather cried to it. She spoke of things that would make a psychiatrist cringe, let alone a kitty like Misty. It was so bad that Misty took to hiding the sharp objects. By the end of the week, there was a large collection of knives stashed under her bed. By the next meeting, the animals were on pins and needles to hear what Chester said next. But to their surprise, Chester didn't speak, except to introduce a small white rat he had brought with him. Hello, my name is Hal, said the rat. I'm a former lab rat. And I'm here today because humans took my jab. He laughed at his little joke. He likes puns, Chester exclaimed. Hello, Hal, said the other animals. It's great to be here, said Hal. I'd like to share with you what I learned while working for Big Pharma. On average, it takes a billion dollars of rat, then monkey, then human research to bring a drug to market. I should know. I've seen a lot of drugs, taking a lot of them too. So if I forget what I'm talking about mid-sense, you'll forgive me. As if on cue, the rat stopped, blinked, and then smiled at the crowd. Hello, my name is Hal. You were just talking about bringing a drug to market, Chester redirected Hal. Oops, that happens from time to time, folks. My apologies. I've taken a lot of experimental drugs. Yes, you said that also, Rocky said. Anyway, this new vaccine coming down the pipeline didn't get that same testing. They're pushing it through at breakneck speed. How breakneck are we talking? Eight months. Shock silence followed Hal's admission, the type of silence in which one could hear a pin drop. The animals looked at each other. So what you're saying is that the humans will be doing the testing instead of rats, Misty said. Yep, the humans took my job, Hal laughed. The little kitten blinked, then reached behind her fluffy body and put a pink tinfoil hat on her head. She made it just in case she heard further confirmation of the lunacy the world was descending into. Hal's admission was just such a confirmation. Hal, any idea of what this vaccine will do to the humans? Well, several companies tried for 20 years to push the mRNA vaccines through and failed. There were safety concerns. Like what? Well, not much, Hal said. Just autoimmune disease, organ failure, prion disease, infertility, myocarditis, endocarditis, miscarriage, dysmenorrhea, blood clots, nervous disorders, and uh, Hal tapped his chin along with his memory. Oh, yeah. Sudden death. What in the actual hell, Tommy yelled. And the humans are going to line up for that? I refuse to believe it. That's where you're wrong, Chester said. His right eye was watering and his body trembling again, his tinfoil hat rocking gently against the orange tufts of fur on his head. The glowing boxes will dump fear on the humans, 
driving them more insane by the day until they are willing to do anything to end it. This includes shoving unproven chemicals into their bodies. Okay, that's it, Bonnie yelled. We've got to save these idiotic humans from this. I know it's a tall order, but we've got Chester, she yelled at the cat. Can't the aliens help us? The aliens that send all those radio waves into your bodies. Don't they have anything to say? Chester looked at her, startled. Then a wide smile spread across his face. That's it, he exclaimed. The glowing boxes are giving the humans directions, like the aliens wire mine through my hat into my body. The glowing boxes will tell them how to participate in the pharmaceutical experiment. So we have to burn the glowing boxes. The animals were nodding enthusiastically at each other. Then Rocky spoke. Okay, Chester, we're with you. That night, the animals stole matches from their kitchens, shredded cardboard, and lit a large bonfire in the center of the cul-de-sac at the end of Sunnyside Road. Then they chucked the TVs, computers, tablets, and all other manner of glowing boxes into the leaping flames. With each piece of mind control that entered the bonfire, it grew higher until it attracted the attention of Missy's human, who woke at 2 a.m. and called the fire department. Tommy's human ran out to look at the scene and started talking to Missy's human as the fire trucks arrived. It turned out that Tommy's human was looking to lose weight and had always wanted to try yoga, but was too embarrassed to join a group on account of his weight. Missy's human agreed to give him private lessons. Bonnie and Rocky's humans were the last to realize that their glowing boxes were missing, but weren't distressed by it. I have a feeling they're feeding us a load of crap anyway, the husband said to the wife, who agreed. Then they spread out lawn chairs to watch the firemen do their work. The first bit of propaganda-free entertainment they'd enjoyed in a while. Chester's human was an elderly lady who didn't have a glowing box, only a small cell phone. She waved hello to her neighbors as she grounded the electronic fire with Chester on her heels. She wasn't wearing a muzzle, and when the other humans saw her without one, they removed theirs too. The animals saw Chester's lady enter the bushes at the end of the cul-de-sac, Chester trailing behind her. Misty, Rocky, and Bonnie looked at each other. Isn't Chester's human elderly and nearsighted, Tommy pointed out. Yeah, Misty said. And she's going into the forest. We should follow her, Rocky said. So they did, down a sloping ravine until they came to a clearing in which an odd-looking humanoid figure with large black eyes and gray skin was standing before Chester's human. The animals gasped in union. An alien. Well done, the alien said. But you know you can't save them all. Chester's old lady removed her glasses and straightened up. When she let her hair down, she looked 20 years younger. That's not my goal, Lord's Lord. Chester and I only need to save a few for the dominoes to fall against the globalists and their new world order. Let's hope you're right. We'll be in contact. And the humanoid figure turned toward a glowing disc-like object that suddenly appeared behind him. He entered the craft. Seconds later, it zoomed into the sky and disappeared. The animals turned to one another, silent and shocked. Misty smoothed the tinfoil hat on her head. Chester saw his friends and patted over, smirking gently. What do you say, guys? My human and I can't do this alone. And after all, today's conspiracy theorist is tomorrow's prophet. As Chester was speaking, his human approached and knelt before them. The animals could see clearly that she wasn't elderly at all, the middle aged with auburn hair. She'd been wearing a disguise. She offered an outstretched hand to the animals. In her palm was a stack of tiny, pet-sized tinfoil hats. And that is the conclusion of Conspiracy Cat. Slow clap. Wow. That was fucking awesome and amazing in a million different ways. I love, it had me laughing and like getting kind of angry and then like 
just like all different emotions, but I love your commentary on the human condition and like just the, the visual, like visualizing it through the animal's eyes does so, like so much to really show like how ridiculous everything is and how scary everything is. Um, and just, I love like the metaphors and like how you were, you know, you were, how you were using them as like the, the whole story was a metaphor for like the human condition and just, you know, COVID obviously, um, and how, and how it affected all of us. And just I, the way you talked about the vaccine and I love your solution too. burn the glowing boxes. That was my favorite part. We got to burn the glowing boxes. Um, cause that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's. That's really the solution. Just Fahrenheit 51, the whole the whole thing. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of what animals would do, you know, in that situation. And yeah. to me, that seemed like something that they could do, you know, sort of. Um, you know, if I were an animal, what could I do? Yeah, you know, I'd burn the glowing box. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, and, and I mean, I the just, whole thing. Oh, go ahead, Tom, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. You got it. It's fine. Um, no, I was just going to say the whole thing. It was like, it was not only like funny and enjoyable to, to listen to, but um, you have, you have an excellent speaking voice, by the way, and, and reading. Um, uh, I don't, I didn't know if you knew that, but narr narration to me is like a very big part of um, what I do. And like, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I'm like, I'm a, I'm a big I, I really listen for that kind of thing. And you have an excellent narration voice. Um, but Thank you. What, what, um, anyway, what I, yeah, what I was going to say is like the whole thing was a fantastic commentary on like the human condition, especially during COVID. And like, I love how you just how you spoke about everything, the, the vaccine, the isolation, the, and one of my favorite things in there, what that, which I, I've spoke about this myself, but I haven't heard many people speak about is that, and I love how you compared them to muzzles because they, they do do something. They keep us submissive. And, and I loved, I loved that comparison because that's 100% what it is. Um, and not everybody might agree with me, but I, I 100% agree with that. And I thought that was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I, you know, that, that really was written from my heart. I, the reason that I started doing this is because I just, I got so mad during that whole thing. And this was like an outlet for me. And I shared a few of these stories with, you know, some people and they said, you know, this is too good. You, you got to put it in a book. And so I said, okay. And so I did. And here we are. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. And um, I mean, I want to buy that book. Um, so just one more time. Thank you. Everyone can find it on Amazon. Um, it's called Tales of American Idiocy. Tales is, um, I believe, a pun, um, which is very clever. Well, well no, um, it's, it, it is actually, you know, there's two different tales. You know, I actually could have put it Tales, T-A-I-L-S, but Tales, T-A-L-E-S, is a word for, you know, just stories. Well, yeah, um, no, I wasn't sure. It, it, I, I wasn't um, okay. I wasn't sure how you had it spelt on the front cover, but um, yeah, no, I mean the way I, I kind of, I kind of took it as a, as a pun in a way because of, I mean, the whole story is kind of like a um, not, not a pun, but a, a, a kind of meta commentary 
um, which is which is fantastic. I, I love that. Um, real Thank quick, um, I'm going to bring everybody up real quick just to see if they have any questions or comments or anything they want to say um, about the piece or to you or uh, and that's everybody. There we go. Um, anybody have anything they'd like to say? Um, Kurt, uh, I believe you're muted. Uh, hang on. There you go, bud. Oh, hold on. Got to unmute you. There you go. There, there you go. go. I'm not a tech guy at all. I've skipped out of this window. <laughs> no, a few times. But right. It was, it was engaging. It was, uh, it was awesome to listen to. It, it was well thought of. Thank you. Um, anyone else? I know some of you have your cameras off, so it's hard to see. Okay. Um, no, I just want to say, uh, great job. Great job. It um, really engages us in the experience from the, um, from the animal's point of view. It, it reminded me of a, a my favorite book, which is Animal Farm, which yeah, is the same go. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I do love Animal Farm. I'm a big Orwell fan. And um, that that actually was kind of in my mind when I set out to write this book. And there's other stories in this one, too. There's there's four other ones that have animals that use, you know, I use animals to, you know, make commentary on uh, events that are going on right now. So definitely check it out. Two of yeah, my right. favorite stories. Sorry, this is Hunter, everybody. Uh, I don't know if this mic is working, but uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to say uh, two of my favorite stories are Animal Farm and 1984. And I feel like, you know, government control, like absolute control is like, both one of the easiest and most difficult topics to uh, to write into something that's been changed. Like, say, for instance, from the point of view the point of view of a bunch of animals. I thought that was really cute, um, even though I only was able to catch the last like 10 minutes or so but it was really I, I liked it thank you i appreciate it i hope you'll check out the book i plan to yeah. thank you and this uh this episode is uh it it's live right now but it records and everyone can go watch it at their own leisure or send it to their family and friends um and uh that, so that that'll be there for people who want to go and re-listen re to that story uh so and you guys like i said you guys can check it out on amazon um Tales of american Agency. um that being said um i'm gonna go ahead and um i'm gonna bring up our next artist. uh uh you ready bud what's that you come are you ready to uh, come i suppose what are we gonna do um, you got, um, some poetry for us tonight? Absolutely. Or something? Yeah, I got one. All right. Cool. Uh, cool. Just some, uh, um, I did a little real, offhand real, editing. Real, uh, I, I know, I know I, um, I kind of, uh, 
skipped out on your intro though, but I'm gonna, I really want to play your um, flyer because it has a um, piece that you wrote on it. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play your flyer real quick, and then uh, I'll I'll come back. That music is almost more suitable than the music that I have on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was um, amazing. I think, I think what you had on it might have been copywritten. Um, Absolutely. I want to take, yeah. take any chances, so I just added that. But I was like, you know, I I was just going. I was just looking for something like, you know, kind of kind of dark, kind of depressing, and not 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 depressing. Oh but no, like, that was perfect. You know. So yeah. Oh yeah. No, it, it um, hit the mood perfectly. So. Um, like as you guys saw on his flyer, uh, if you want, he's he's a poet, and if you guys want to check him out, you can uh, check him out on TikTok at uh, Kurt Wright Six. Is that it? Yep. I think so. I, don't know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I think so. It was on the flyer. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. So, I, I barely um, know half of the things that I need to know as a person. So yeah. Um, do you want? So you want to tell us a little bit about like your poetry and what and what you write about and kind of like. How you got started, whatever. Uh man, it uh that one was actually the night I split up with my ex-wife two years ago. And it was a that was a rough one. Uh and then after that I kind of started just going more and more. The more I talked to a, a lot of the I'm a tradesman. Uh I've been a in construction for 20 years and the more i keep talking to to my local guys around here that they're going through the same situations i talk to guys it at like just picking up supplies and stuff and i'm i started talking to these guys that are all going through the same situation they were providers all of that doing the best that they could got left lost everything now they're in the trades breaking their backs just trying to get by and this was all through like COVID and all of that. So the trades were, it was a crazy time, materials like that. And it was just a low time. And all these guys out here going same thing. I'm like, man, that really took a lot of my writing that I was doing. Um, I just started throwing things out. I'm in and out. I'm in all town. Uh, uh, but yeah, I started writing more after that, and everything's kind of—it's getting a lot less depressing than that one that was posted. So that's, no, that's a plus. There you go. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a lot of my shit is depressing, no matter whether I'm going through really rough times in my life or like I'm doing. Oh, I think we lost him. Um. I'm going to finish my sentence while we wait for him to come back. Hopefully he'll come back. Um, a lot of my stuff is dark and depressing and, um, it, whether I'm going through hardship or I'm not, 
um, because I'm always using it as a therapy, kind of like he was talking about, um, and a way to make it less um, depressing for myself. Yeah. Um, so you're back. Did you? I don't know if you heard I, what I said. I, I didn't, but I thought I'd say yeah, just to keep the mood going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, I was saying that um, a lot of my, a lot of my shits um, also dark, whether I'm going through shit or I'm not going through shit, oh, yeah. because I'm always using it to. I'm, I'm also always putting it in whatever I have, you know, because there's always trauma from my past and whatnot. I'm always Absolutely. putting it in my writing and using it as a therapy. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like a ground rod. Yeah, it's like the base the base you set that out and you build off of it because yeah. that's they're your experiences you have to feel them and so if you're going to use them to be sad or use them to be progressive might as well use it as your ground route <laughs> right yeah you got to use that you got to use that energy and and i mean I, I choose to use it and and put it into my you know shit what like i said I mean, I think I said it, I think I said this at the beginning of the show. Um, whatever it is that like people do, whether it's poetry or woodworking or like trades, like you said, like that's you know it can be backbreaking sometimes. And uh, trust me, I know I'm <laughs> I'm well familiar with the twelve and sixteen hour shifts. Um, Absolutely. But uh, you know, and especially with COVID, shit got hit hard. But I mean. Like I said, whatever you do, whatever your trade is, whether it's poetry or whatever, you know, you can use it as an outlet and a tool and 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 use that, you know, emotion and that drive to um, fuel it, you know? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, um, and reach out to others. Uh, that's, that's the thing. It's just being able to portray it and have other people understand it, come back at you with their perspective. Like, hey, these few little words and and then they just start opening it up and you're like oh well i'm glad it was relatable at least it, you yeah, can think I mean, about it as well yeah that's that's like i said that's that's what i try to do here on the show so um i'm Absolutely. gonna stop i'm gonna stop talking and i'm gonna let you get to your uh first piece uh does it have a name um yeah it's um the shattered cup all right, it's cool. something I wrote a l little while ago. The Shattered Cup. So, All right. Yep, whatever. So, I don't know. Am I supposed to go now? I'll go now. It's bleeding hands hold the shattered cup that still pours. You keep fighting to give more and more, but the lacerations are too deep, and the cup falls to the floor. The windows to the soul are barricaded with boards. And your heart hides itself behind a solid steel door. You have built up your walls. You're preparing for war. Surrounding yourself and imploding from the core. Just longing to reach that Plutonian shore. And that's it. That is the Shattered Cup. Nice, man. Dude, I, I honestly, I was... I went on your TikTok and I was a lot of your videos are just like that where you where you have music and you have to read it. Um, yeah, but that's I the mean, ADHD in me. I I yeah. can read and listen to music and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. So. Yeah, and I mean that's that's what kind of first like drew my eyes. Like just 
you have a way with words and it kind of it's it's it reminds me of a lot of like the way I the way I write like I said that you know um I like I said it's it's mostly dark it's mostly that kind of like um you know dark retrospective either thinking about yeah. life or looking inward and thinking about self um or or whatnot and I I really vibe with your style dude that's um yeah, I appreciate really it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you bet. Uh, I'm going to bring uh, everybody up here real quick and see if they got anything to say to you or questions, comments. Anybody? Floor's open. Anybody? Going once, going twice. All right. People don't like to talk tonight. It's okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm here. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I had to reach for my phone. Um, I like your poem, man. Um, well, thanks. Bro. It's it's dark, but you know, like like David Draymond says, sometimes the darkness can show you the light. Oh, many, many of times it has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely like okay, I said. I appreciate that. That's what is. That's what it's all about. You know, that's what the craft is about. That's what I mean. Life is about in general. Is, you know, you, you kind of need the bad things. There's good things lie where the correct right path is. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you for your commentary. I know everybody's shy. Not many of you are familiar with podcasts on here, so I'm not going to hold it against you. I promise. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that with us, Kurt. And um, is that is that the only thing you you're going to be sharing with us? Or should I bring you up for another? Yeah, I uh, I suppose that's the I'm halfway cutting in and out. Okay, well, so if your connection holds. I'll try to uh, I'll try to get you back up here. All right, guys. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, oh, oh man, too quick with the button. Go ahead. What were you saying? Hello? Okay. All right. He's cutting out. We're gonna move on with the show, and let's see. Um, I think that we're gonna have our surprise artist tonight pop in. And shut the show down or uh, hype us up a little bit with some lyricism. Um, I don't know what he's got for us tonight. It might be some dark, depressing shit. It might be some, like, hyped up shit. And I don't know what he's on tonight. I don't know what kind of stuff he's 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 on tonight. But we're going to see. And he always brings something good. So this boy doesn't even need a flyer. No, he doesn't even need an introduction. Everybody who watches the show, y'all already know him. And if you don't, you're about to. My man, KC, Caleb, we're going to bring him up here. What's up, man? What's good, man? How's it How going? How you doing? So I'm, doing? I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to get you back up for a couple weeks now. Say what? Oh, I, I'm trying to get you up back up for a couple weeks now. Everybody, everybody's connection is all shit tonight. All right, we're gonna roll through it. You hear me, all right? Uh, yeah, it's just my this phone is garbage. 
this new phone I have is garbage, so the audio is hard to hear. So I had to like put it next to my ear, and it's hard to catch what oh. you're saying. Oh, I understand. All right. Um, so we'll just get to it then. What's, what's the first piece you're, you're you're doing one first, right? Yeah. What's the piece you're gonna share for us? Today? I'll do a second. <laughs> no, it's called the meeting. The the meeting. All right, man. I'll just let you get to it and do your thing. Forgive me for this meeting. These voices need a breather. Now it's only me, but subconsciously, I fallen deep inside the old pink squirrels. That line of signs that told me not to follow disappeared in the road now hollowed. No picture posted to lead me back. If yesterday done past, then another day's gone and left as quick as the last. Moving with forward acceleration like molasses, but I've passed it. So what for the next one to be the same with harder acidic rain? Well, I'm mad at it. And like the mad hatter, when we're all mad here, the time goes slowly with nothing to do but breathe heavy and wait till the door reopens but i ain't patient it's about to be busted off the hinges because i'm tired of walking hard floors with no mission like this house is conspiring with my demons not inspiring with my angels and taking in no essential credentials like what do you do when your own door is a gun pointing at you so that when you touch it it blasts you so when you finally open it you see the world but it looks different when you realize you're getting older you realize how cruel every obstacle can be and when every jump is a building and i ain't no superman with heat vision just reckless decision so Instead, I blow through it to be stuck in the rubble and dust just to realize that option blew. I guess you could call it a nuisance if you wasn't used to it. Two resets, dumb choices, and a path of buildings. Yeah, I'm used to it. Now it's instinct to be in sync with critters that tear apart brain cells and leave the litter for me to spit out later with every singular vowel. A tab, another hit. I should just throw in the towel, but this ain't a boxing match. It's just a clear path through hell. Like it's welcoming my steps there. Heavy but persistent, slow but consistent. If I'm the run through hell, then shit held on misted bullets. These full magazines sprayed through the fire. Flamed rounds meant to pierce my tires, but I operate with steel fiber wires meant to propel electric steps and catch the devil by his neck. Twist, pull, and rend it from the vertebrae. So when I speak inferno, then hell will listen while the demons follow. Like, I'm the leader meant to be. Rip a hole in the ground to release these emotions out of me. Every demon's a metaphor. Realistically, no angel ever resided inside to protect me and my demise. So why fantasize the heaven of heathens are the only things that make sense? Then let the corpse rot. That casket six feet in length, six feet in the dirt. A hearth full of hurt, stuck in a world where life is lived to die to coincide with demons rooted up from the earth. But I'm built to fight to bring light to the dark. Well, fuck that. If I'm born to die, then I'ma just live life till each breath brings me closer to death. A dog meant to fetch life heard the words like sheep, but I ain't no shepherd staring a pack that lacks facts, but a trap that pulls tacks off the water, restart the pictures and create new images, cause everything old eventually dies like lost souls that disappear in the night. I look through eyes that have shattered sight like broken glass. If I get cut, then the road starts to get narrow or split a fake fork and I get lost like every other tomorrow. When you can't feel the sorrow, you feel sorry for each mistake you borrow, like a deal and it's good. Like a deal, it's contracting, fine print, red. You've been born, good luck, life's not meant to be followed. It's meant to lead on its golden steed and force you to drink its meat. Well, it plants new seeds and you're stumbling to find what it means. Then it'll rip the ground under you. Like a simple seam of cloth, each stitch a dream that seems so endless. Nightmares start to possess their own fabric to replace that broth of string between the ribs so well it fits perfectly between the creases. A whole suit made black and white with a tie engraved with my name leaking a red dye. <sighs> God damn. Yo, like I said, you always come with it. You always come with something. Like, and dude, dude like, I, 
and you always just fucking blow me away, bro. Like I, like, and it's so like there's so much in there. It's hard to comment on one particular thing, but like as always, one of my favorite things with your stuff is the metaphors and the way you paint like the pictures. It and they, but and the and the most vivid pictures in your mind, they very deep emotions and it's like it's, it's amazing the way you put it together like honestly bro you're, you are one of my favorite if I've had you on here a bunch of times you're one of my favorite poets one of my favorite rappers one of my favorite whatever you want to call yourself like you just have have the way have the way we work man not the A word the way we work the way we work like it's just Straight fire every time I hear it. Bro, I appreciate you. I appreciate you all I appreciate that. That came from a. I wrote that a couple of years ago, and I, I call it meeting. I'm because I'm actually friends with the multiple personality disorder. So, to I made this song. There was a time in my life where I was like really young, and I got kicked out. Okay, and I was just in a really dark spot, and I with the schizophrenia, man, just being alone with your thoughts, that shit's hard. It's hard. And there was this moment in time where I just said, I have to really just say, fuck it. And I put a pen to a cardboard, okay, because I didn't have anything else. But I found a pen and a cardboard, and I wrote this song down. Eventually, I got a phone. And I had this piece of cardboard for like a year and a half before I was able to actually get it safe somewhere. God damn, bro. With a fucking piece of cardboard. It was, you know what? The biggest and best fucking things in life start right at the fucking bottom. The lowest fucking no I don't even I don't even got paper. I don't even got paper. I got a fucking piece of cardboard. You know what I mean? Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Like and you gotta do what you gotta do to get that out and fucking like I'm glad you did because you know what? Like you know if it wasn't for that piece of cardboard like you might not be where you are now like still doing it. Story, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I still have it. I used to have all of it. Like, I don't know, I've been writing since I was 13 years old. I've wrote probably everything. Yeah, I'm like that. I keep, I keep a lot of stuff I've written, like in a binder or locked up in storage or like in my closet or some shit like that. Um, yeah, I, I keep everything. everything. I've been I've writing for a while too. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna bring uh, up here real quick. Um, Steve, you got any comments for you? A little bit of a tough time tonight, but that's okay. We're gonna go with the punches. Hello, yes. Does anybody have uh, any questions, comments, feedback for uh, your show? Nah, I just say keep writing, bro. You're dope. You're dope. Just keep writing. Keep going. Fantastic. Feedback. Um, he is 100 If you all want to check him out, you can find him on TikTok. At, I don't literally have anything written in front of me, but I'm trying to remember. It's Cage. What are the numbers? Cage. Capital K. Yes. 
HD, that's a capital K, 790, uh, so you can find him there, and um, with that being said, I will bring up our next artist, which um, I believe, so, I believe Melinda, yes, okay, I'm going to bring up Melinda and then Noble, if you're ready after that, um, yep, okay. All right, guys. Let's see here. We're going to play Melinda's Flyer real quick. Um, just to give you a quick um, summary about her. She is an author. She writes primarily children's stories. She has two published books uh, right now, A Walk Through the Zoo and Johnny Loves the Library. She's also writing um, her personal memoir, um, at the moment. And, um, if you want to know more about her, um, and what might be in the memoir, you can go to her website at Melinda. Uh, she's going to correct me, but Priyab, Priyab, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Melinda Priby. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm dyslexic and I, I can't read to begin with. So, you know, um, Melinda Priby.com and you can go to her about section um, she's probably going to share some things with us, but, um, just from what I've read there and the conversations with that I've had with her, um, it sounds like she's been through some very tough things and she's very, a very persevering person. Um, if you, you can also go follow her on Facebook at the same thing, uh, Melinda Priyab. Uh, anyway, I, I'm going to get that wrong all night. I'm sorry. It's the, it's the dyslexia. I'm. Um, but anyway, I will play your flyer real quick and then we can uh, get to it. All right, so that's her flyer. One more time for the record, it's Preby, and I'm not going to get that wrong again. I'm going to try. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and um, you know, what got you started writing, the kinds of things you write and, and whatnot? I've actually been uh, writing and telling stories ever since uh, I was little. You know, when, um, you know, when uh, we had book reports, I would actually grab a whole bunch of books and, and – uh, and uh, make a, a real long uh, book report or spelling words, you know, I would actually um, have have a page for each spelling word. And uh, the children's stories, I've actually have three uh, out, uh, two I illustrated as well as uh, wrote. Then I have another one I wrote that I had a, you know, my Aunt Joanna illustrate. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. I love when I can bring family in on, on projects. Yes. That's fantastic. And I know with my, um, um, I have a novel that I'm hoping to have out, uh, a year from now. And, uh, I am working on, you know, my memoir at, at you know, currently. And that is something I, I wanted to read a little bit about. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you don't mind, just out of curiosity, um, what is what genre is the the novel you're working on? It's an inspirational, but it has some mystery. It has 
uh, all kinds of uh, really neat stuff. It's it's called uh, uh, she's trapped inside, and it's it's about a um, a person who she has a photogenic memory, but she has no memory of her first twelve years of her life. She doesn't know if she had a good dad and mom, you know. But um, you know she was eventually adopted, you know, because she was like in the in the foster system. Wow. That and she keeps having this nagging dream and she doesn't know what it is. And finally, you know, she comes to terms with it, but uh, she meets, you know, her, her roommate in college. Uh, the parents uh, have a, a um, horse ranch called uh, One Hoof Ford and she bonds with a horse and she has no idea why she's a natural with a horse, you know, and so, yeah, she has to learn who she is and, you know, will, will she, you know, obtain, you know, the clarity of what's going on inside her. Hmm. Sounds like an interesting premise. I'd, I'd like to read that whenever it's done. Um, is this, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, um, what you're going to be reading tonight is um, passage from your memoir and it's called, uh, my inner studio, correct? Yes, it is. Like I said, okay. this is a, kind of a rough draft uh, basis, but uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It says, um, imagination, uh, imagination and creativity worked well together inside my inner studio, inspiring me so that I kept busy producing works of art and stories. But one day I was driving when someone else's brake squealed and screeched, bang. I woke up a different person. The accident impaired my reading and my artistic ability and writing skills suffered. Imagination and creativity had not died, but found themselves trapped, alone and afraid, inside a dark room on the edge of nothingness. Prior to the accident, my inner studio was filled with books yet to be written and more art ideals waiting to come alive on canvas. Now they huddled together, reaching across the rubble to me when I slept. They also talked to me when I looked in the mirror. Every day I woke up with new story ideas running through my head, but I could not express them very well verbally or on paper. But one day I looked in the mirror and reminded myself that I had once been told when I was nine years old that I would never graduate or even lead a normal life due to a learning disability. But with God's help, I graduated and surprised everyone with how remarkable my life had become. As I remembered this, my heart uh, was again filled with hope. And uh, with the memoir, it talks about, uh, you know, how I did struggle to, to regain my artistic talent because they told me that I would actually never be able to draw again because of the car accident. And um, I had, um, you know, with, when it comes to reading, I was reading Agatha Christie when I was in um, second grade. But with this uh, car accident, it just uh, took my reading ability to where I struggled with newspaper. Wow. I honestly, that is that is one of the most tragic things I can think of. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, that is honestly one of like when we when when I talk about like deep seated fears, like just things like heights and things that like some people can't go, get over. One of my like deep seated fears is like 
going blind or losing the the ability to write or read in in any capacity because like that's such a big part of my life that's what i do like it's it's the whole it's the whole thing like if i can't do that like i i don't know what my purpose is i don't know why i'm here i don't know you know what i mean um so i've one of my worst fears is is you know going blind or losing the ability of my motor skills or my brain in some way um and that is just but i am so happy that you are recovered or recovered or recovering and um just the, the the fact that you are where you are now is a miracle whether you believe in miracles or not it's definitely um it's definitely a small chance and so it could have been a lot worse and i'm glad that you're still here writing and doing what you love because that that is one of my worst fears that i won't be able to do what i love um doctors are really believing you know the ones that didn't believe in miracles are believing you know because as bad as the injury because i had other uh, head injuries in the past and that's the reason why that that blow uh became so bad and why it had uh, caused so much damage and um as as i began to go into my uh, my journey with my art and trying to get it back i had a like I, I had a daughter who was 13 years old but she passed away in a, in a house fire in, on november uh, 3rd in 1996 and so that um you know well, i but, have been through some unspeakable tragedies and so I, I, genuinely I goes out to you i'm not just saying that because that's what you say like my heart genuinely goes out to you. That is like, I mean, two of the worst possible things I could think of in this world, <laughs> losing a child and losing the ability to do like the only thing that you're passionate and, and, you know, whatever, you know, like that's just, you've been through some shit. And that is, I, like I said, you are a very persevering person. Thank you. You know, it's just like I, you know, I just, uh, I pray and, and um, I, you know, I, I'm a good uh, Romans 828, you know, where God turns all things around for his glory. It wasn't his will for that stuff to happen, but um, he does have a way of uh, making it right. And um, I don't like in, in my uh, daughter's honor um, and memory, I'm, with my online shop i have on melindapreby.com um so she was an artist and she was actually i mean phenomenal at, at an early age some of the process of, of getting you know some art that i that i that she saved and i'm putting it on um like uh some you know like um like a stuffed animals t-shirt and um and some some other products oh that's cool that's cool what, what i might do with that is a portion of the profits from that one will uh help uh pay into like grief counseling or some sort of counseling for people that's cool i like i like how you you're you give back to the to the the uh mental health community and like uh that's like like i said that's the big part of what i try to do here is you know i struggle with things 
but I try to take that passion and that energy and put it into something that can be good and inspirational and give help and um, clarity to others. Um, so I love that you're doing that too. Um, that is, that is fantastic. It uh, is. A yeah, it is. It is. Um, so uh, on the behalf, on behalf of me and all the other mental, we have mentally ill people who are dealing with grief in one way or another, I'd like to say thank you. Um, and I'm very sorry for your loss. And um, I just hope that you just keep doing what you're doing and using, using it as that tool and that therapy. And um, you're paying a wonderful tribute to your daughter. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm going to uh, drop you down now. And um, uh, are you going to be sharing a second piece with us tonight or um, no? There's a poem that I wrote a long time ago I can share. Okay. All right. Well, I'll bring you up in a few minutes after these other two artists. They've been waiting very, very patiently. Yes. Um, I'm very sorry, guys. We've had a lot of artists tonight. Um, this artist has been waiting. I, what are we on? Episode 14, 15, 14 weeks. Um, I've tried. I've wanted to have her on since the very first episode um she's a singer a poet a life coach a spiritual healer an awakener um she makes it her life's mission to inspire and uplift others and help them find their light and their their dream um which is just incredible on top of being fantastic at poetry like one of the best in the game um her name is noble jewels you can follow her on Instagram and TikTok at Noble Jewels. That's N O B L J U L Z. Um, and she has a book out right now. Um, I believe you can find it on Amazon, um, but I'll double check that with her. Um, if Compassion Was a Quote is the name of it. Um, and you can also visit, um, I believe, anagoddess.com is the name of it um, if you want to check out more of her stuff. So I'm going to play her flyer and get her up here. I know who I am deep down inside. I am the I am that I am. I cannot tell a lie. I know who I am deep down inside. I am. The I am, I am. Blessings on blessings on blessings. <laughs> Thank you for finally coming on. I've had that clip for 14 weeks. I've listened to it a bunch of times. I love that shit, man. Like, you're one of my favorite artists, and I've been wanting to have you on for so fucking long. So thank you, you have, so much for finally you. coming on. Thank you. And I'm thank sorry you, for such you. a long wait. You say you sorry for what? Sorry for such a long wait. I know it's been a long, a long 14 weeks and a long hour that we've been here. So oh no, 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 no. I do I do want to say, um, can I do my entire set right now? Um yeah, 100 percent I understand. 
Okay, yeah. but I did have an emergency, um, but I was like, nah, you've been waiting. We've been waiting too long to be doing this. And I I promised that yeah. I wasn't going to let nothing, you know, interrupt definitely yeah, the space that you have provided. And congratulations to you for 14 weeks. You know, people don't understand how hard it is to be committed to things like this and dealing with artists like us. <laughs> but yeah, you mean, stuck it out for 14, and I, I wish you 14 years, 14 weeks turned into 14 years for you. Thank you. Blessings. Absolutely. Um, That's right. That's what, what you got to talk about? Let's talk. If you, uh, yeah, you want to you want to talk a little bit about yourself and your boat? Your, your, not your book, boat. I'm getting tired. <laughs> book. <laughs> your book. Um, and Absolutely. Of course, um, or, yeah. Absolutely. So um, I've been writing since I was five years old. Um, I like to say, let me explain it like this. Like I came into this world conscious, you know, a lot of things that people talking about now, as far as auras and awakening and things like that. Like I came into this world um, blessed to know that, you know, I had other lives, blessed to be able to see people auras and energy work at a very young age before it was a fact, right? <laughs> I'm saying how it is. So um, a lot of my friends came to me for advice and actually, you know, I, I got tired of them coming to me for the same advice. So I started writing poetry. So whenever they would come to me for advice or multiple people would come to me about the same thing, I'll just recite the poem. And that was like back in about like 20, 30 years ago. And I realized that I was um, had a talent in it when at an elementary school, I wrote a poem for uh, my class that was graduating eighth grade. And I went to a Catholic school and the Pope, right at the beginning of his speech for us, he, he read my poem and he was just like, it was phenomenal. And and he said he based his whole speech off of my poem. And I was like, whoa, let me, <laughs> let me see what I can do with it. <laughs> so from there, I just, you know, just kept writing and it led me to uh, the stage and yeah, I just been going from there. Wow. That's well, I, some would say that you literally have God bless God's blessing. Um, that's, <laughs> that is fucking fantastic. Or at least, or at least like his like second down, like you know, <laughs> or secretary or something. Um, yeah. You, you, you know, you got the approval from, one of the big mans uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's phenomenal man that's that's awesome uh um, and, and i mean i've been i've been writing from a young age like nine or ten and i think the first thing i ever wrote was like a self-help book you know i've yeah. always like from the very beginning wanted to use my thing to help others because i've been going through shit and um i've i you know back then it was like elementary school and I had other kids come up to me like in tears saying that like I changed their life with this little like it was a 10 page thing it was laminated it was I, I was nine years old and they were like you changed my life and I was just and it was literally I was just talking about like what to do when you get angry like you know steps mm -hmm. to take deep breaths just simple shit like that that you learn in elementary school but it apparently it really helped some kids and like from there, yeah, from there, it just, you know, spiraled. And that's, I've been, that's been my mission the whole time. You well, know? absolutely. Like, like we got to think about, think about this world. Everything we learn came from a book. 
you know, whether it's religious, self-help or whatever, like, like it's a bunch of stories and, and a lot of people put a lot of meanings and they put a lot of backing into it. And so I like to say right now we're, we're, we're not rewriting the Bible. We're writing the Bible for this time right now. Like, and the people in the Bible, the Quran and the Buddha, they didn't go, they went through similar things, but they didn't go through things that's happening right now. So as you continue to write your poems right now, as I continue to write my poems, my stories, and all the other artists have been on the stage um, on your platform tonight and also other platforms, these are archives that someone will find later on in, you know, centuries later and will say, oh man, this is profound. And that's the beauty about what, you know, writing is. And it's actually why I wrote my book. You know, I wrote, why. Well, well, you didn't know, but let me tell you, the reason why it's called If Compassion Was a Quote is because, you know, as a healer, I realized that the point of healing or being a healer is not to heal other people. It's to heal yourself and then to be a reflection of what healing looks like. So I spent a lot of time just really just grounding and healing myself. I used to coach and want to put myself out there and, oh, I can heal you. But I realized, wait a minute, healing is an inside job. You know, I can I can coach you, but until mm -hmm. you do the work or want to do the work to be healed, there's not nothing really anything on the outside can do for you. So I put a lot of energy. I shifted and I put a lot of energy into coaching myself. And one of the uh, practices that I did, I went into silence and stillness for three days. No talking, no moving. I didn't eat. I barely drunk water. That for is three driven days. some people insane. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's look another quote, like um, you can measure someone's, you know, peace of mind, by how long they can sit style, silence and stillness with themselves. That's an old proverb. And wow. and I said still. So for the first day, be honest, I was quiet, but I was moving around the house, like trying to get stuff done. Right? And my wife looked at me and she was like, "Uh, I thought it was silence and stillness. I said, oh, you're right. Right. <laughs> so I went and I sat down and. At first, I realized, like, wow, what? There's a lot of chatter in my head. So as the hours went on, like, you know, a minute was, like, really taking some time to pass. And I was like, wow, time really kind of stands still. So old stories that I used to tell myself started popping up in my head, and I just allowed them to speak. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wow, where where's the love in this story? Like I was like you said, like you said when you were speaking to other artists and other artists were speaking, like you went through a lot of shit, right? And so we're very eager to tell that shit that we went through to somebody. But if you ever sat with those stories, I'm sitting in the car. I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'll tell you that story later on. <laughs> but if you ever sat with those stories that brought you that trauma and just look for the compassion in them, them stories will really talk to you in a whole different way. So I sat with those stories, right? I had like a good 20, 30 stories that I constantly talk about, about rejection and, and you know, trauma and, and hurt and pain. And 107 quotes came out. I just approached each one of those stories as like, where's the love? Where's the compassion? And how can I find, how can I have compassion for myself or for the other person or for the situation? 107 quotes and I started crying and writing just pouring out pouring out pouring out pouring out 
So after those three days, I was telling my wife the experience. She was like, wow, I would love to hear these quotes. And then when I read the quotes, I was like, oh my God, these are like, these are kind of dope. Like, <laughs> so then I put it in the book. I advanced it. Like, so now when you get my book, it's not just me saying quotes. I actually um, went a little further and broke down each quote. And then I asked you, the reader, a stimulating question to get you to look at your life. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's engaging. That's engaging in a way that I haven't quite um, heard of. That's unique. I like that. Yeah. Cause like, what's the point of my story? My story can, my story is only meant to, and your story is only meant to inspire me to look at my right. story. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yo, I, I like that concept. That's, that's definitely unique. I'm going to go, I'm going to definitely have to go check that out for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yo, I, I, 108 quotes that will definitely get you to look at like one of my favorite ones. I'm be honest with you. I had a cousin, right? Uh, me and my cousin used to be really close, but then he he's drinking a lot. And thinking about him, you know, it was kind of hurtful. Like, oh, you could say, I wish I could have, would have, would have, all this stuff. But one of the quotes is sometimes the best thing you can do for a person is have a drink with them. <laughs> yes. I mean that you know that's true in some cases and it's not true in others like it's all it's all it's all situational you know it's all yeah. very, it's each you know to each their own you yeah know? but like, but the question is who in your life can you go and love them for who they show up as as they show up as I think that you should I think in an ideal world you should be able to do that with all the people that you love and all the people that you call family or your pack or your inner circle or whatever. I think that's in an ideal world. I don't think we always practice that. Um, yeah. I don't think we always practice even what we preach. I'm guilty of not, you know, treating all my family members the same way and, you know, things like that. Um, but, and, and there's, you know, there's obviously different levels of trust and different levels of whatever, but, at the end of the day, I think yeah, in an ideal world, you should be able to do that with everyone that you yeah. feel, that you feel is is your listen, family. Listen, it's 107 quotes. I got a quote for that too. That quote is, "In um, enjoy the time you spend with someone, because sometimes walking away from them may depend on your sanity." Hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like, hmm. like you get what I'm saying? Like it's a, you know. It, Think about like what you're saying. Like the, when you got that time with that family or that person, have a good time with them. Yeah. Because Absolutely. you know, as you continue to grow and they continue to grow, walking away from them may be may be the best thing for you to keep your sanity. So, and like I said, I went through a lot of life experiences. And like I said, these quotes, where can I find the compassion in this? The compassion, yeah. like the, the, the first one with the drink, that's just compassion. Not yeah. trying to change the person. Not trying to, you know, do anything. That's just being with them and being compassionate. Then the yep. second one, sanity is compassion for myself. That question is, who in your life that you are with on a constant basis that how would your life be different if you were to change being around them? Yeah. yeah. I, went on a, I went on a podcast um, a few days ago. It, it's actually not coming. It was pre-recorded, so it's not coming out for a few days. Um, mm -hmm. But we had... Uh, me and the host, I won't give it away uh, what the podcast is yet, but you'll probably see it in a few days. Um, me and the host had a really good conversation, and the whole theme of the conversation was um, compassion and community and how we really – our community has lost the compassion 
there's no compassion for each other. There's no acceptance of one another. And like, and that's the whole thing I'm trying to do with this show is bring a little bit more compassion back into the world, a little bit more connectivity. Like we, we talked a lot about how we've, we've lost connection and just get the connectivity with each other. Um, so yeah, in, in a few days, I'll send that to you. It's a really good podcast. Absolutely. I'm all, it's with someone that, you know, um, I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll message you in private and, um, it's, it's, it was a fantastic conversation, but it's, uh, we were talking a lot about that and you know, how we've lost the compassion in our community. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's. Let's get into these poems because I know these you know these poems about to bring up a whole nother conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, yo. These are honestly some of my favorites. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna do the which would how you all right, so I'm gonna do um I'm gonna do this first one and then uh and then the second one I know is gonna bring up some conversation because it's it's necessary. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna you want me to do both of them and then we're gonna come back and talk about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay. Okay. All right, let's rock. How's everybody doing? My name is Noble Jules. Um, this first one is um, called Frustration and Release. I'm just going to get into it. This flow in which I roll against, I know it is a holy gift. It rides the currents of my veins to splat across the empty page. I write to wrong this life I live and wonder who's creating it. Words touch my lips like morning kiss to release my heart from rage. This is my frustration, no release. This is my frustration, no release. How can I change the things I cannot see? This is my frustration, no release. This is my frustration, no release. This is my frustration, no release. I can't believe I was conquering me. This is my frustration, no release. <laughs> On an everyday basis, I seem to be faced with some kind of situation testing my patience. Trying to force my pride to divide, snatching my innermost valuables to the outside, unguarded, ungated. I can't believe I let it get me so frustrated. But words of defeat would be nothing more than breath wasted because success is so close that I swear I can taste it. With time not on my side and my dignity riding high, I refuse to let this bullshit push me to my limits. And float around phony, full of flattering gimmicks. I'm in this to win as a loser is not who I be, but how can I change the things my eyes deny me to see? This is my frustration, no release. This is my frustration, no release. How can I change the things I cannot see? This is my frustration, no release. <laughs> Seems I'd be better off being somebody else. But how can this be when my self-knowledge and wisdom are above my greatest wealth? Never calm no more. Yet never find me. Whew, never calm no more. Yeah, you won't find me being lost, drowning in secret sounds of circles surrounding me. Yells, I scream, I write to release my heart from this cage. But I'm perceived as a misguided soldier lost in a maze. I didn't create these days. I wrote them down on a page and wait for some. We get here. This is my frustration, no release. This is my frustration, no release. 
How can I change the things I cannot see? This is my frustration, no release. <laughs> you see, my poetry is holding me captive to my soul. Captive to the words my heart won't let my mind let go. Too many, I am simply a delinquent without a drive. When my reflection reveals a rebel on the rise, refusing to hide behind or fall victim to the beast, I shall fight for my right to be until the day I am deceased. But I'm a comrade, an army, where my brethren shoot at each other. And the betrayers go to the enemy to betray protection, to betray, to trade, I'm sorry, to trade fictitious protection for their brethren. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the sea through, where hell begets jails and heaven's ruled by the deceitful. Desires wrap you in and trap you in and try to keep you, yet I feel no evil. You see, my rod and my staff, they are my pen and my path, for they come to me as a relief to refocus my wrath, because this flowing which I roll against, I know it is a holy gift. It rides the currents of my veins to splat across an empty page. I write the wrong, this life I live, and wonder who's creating it. Words touch my lips like morning kiss to release my heart from rage all right all right all right so the second one right i just want to say that this poem the second one is written was written 20 years ago and the fact that it's still relevant hurts my heart every time i say it however this is a message it's a message, and I use two words that I hope that we realize. It's not about race. It's not about gender. But it's these two words were set to be words used to separate us as human beings and to put us in a paradigm for control. The name of this poem is Niggas and Bitches. My eyes have seen the glory of a coming of a war. We got combat boots and camouflage suits all scattered on the floor. Where we sharpen our machetes, clean the canals of our pistols. The truth is in the eye of the storm. But niggas and bitches will never be ready. Niggas and bitches will never be ready. Niggas and bitches will never ever be ready for war until you realize how to be niggas and bitches no more. Ayo, you give me the mic and let me rowdy up the crowd. Make thick skins blush with green lights, eyes the eyes of the owl. No, 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 but not yet. No, not yet. No, what do you mean? We survived the last years of captivity and we still don't have a team? The many prophets, the rolling of tears, mentally, physically dripping of sweat. We revise techniques and strategies through obstacles and passing breeze, yet we let nothing resurrect. These are the days of revelations, all that too that we forget, for I can 360 my head to watch my back and watch the back of my enemy. Send poisonous venom through my bloodstream, sucking the bullshit out of divinity. Extend rays detecting one thing existing three feet beyond me while you stick figure lords. Hand puppets dancing across the boards. Guarding your grill with paper machete swords. Can't even comprehend that the only reason you participate in, in this culturally biased treason is simply the fact that niggas and bitches will never be ready. Niggas and bitches will never be ready. Niggas and bitches will never ever be ready for war until you realize how to be niggas and bitches no more. My thoughts travel through parallel prisms from throughout the equinox. Transited through my non-ether to unlock the weakest lock. Floating my physical form against the current reform backwards to rescue wisdom and to stop the ticking clock. 
talking to consume the energies from my mommy's tomb. Yo, I heard him plotting on our destiny as a cocoon in my mommy's womb. To whom this may concern is those whose blood is as thick as cotton. And those who are mentally chained to a game, meant to erase your inherent regain, so focus on this thing we call maintain. Your true identity is forgotten. The demon at hand makes us stand as the underman, overstand. So then deride to the coming of calculating time versus speed. Within this calculation, you'll find this American freedom to equal dependency. Divide and conquer. Take heed and be wasted. They're making righteous ones speak with righteous tongues, holding righteous guns, but living off the root of all evil beings which is not money. The root of all evil being is the lack of money. Yo, the war is disguised with the lies, illusions, confusing us and convincing us not to think. The truth is written on the walls in the East in red ink. We making our queens bitches and ignoring the tracks that chases our kings back and forth into niggas, but y'all don't hear me though because niggas and bitches will never be ready. Niggas and bitches will never be ready. Niggas and bitches will never, ever be ready for war until you realize how to be niggas and bitches no more. You see, I call you nigga to get your attention. They call you nigga to change your image. Nigga means ignorance. Or better yet, you are what you think. Giving us the reality of what's good, my nigga. Chilling in the hood, my nigga. Did you see what was in the sky, my nigga? No, my nigga. Why, my nigga? Because my eyes was figuring on your figure, nigga. Get your shit up, nigga. They want another nigga to die, my nigga. Yeah, get your shit up too, bitch. They want another nigga to die, my nigga. 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 To all niggas and bitches is extinct. There's a war going on right now. Half of y'all ain't ready. Cause the truth is in the eye. Of the storm. Thank you. <laughs> Yo, I that's what we waited 14 weeks for, and you did not <laughs> point. Man, y'all, that is why you are one of my favorites. That first one is like a, a personal like anthem for me. Just like yeah. I'll keep since I heard that. Um, on the on the other show where I met you, mm-hmm. uh, and like I've I've been singing it at work, like it'll just pop in my. This is my frustration. <laughs> no, like yeah, dude, yo, that is like an anthem for me. Um, yo, and that second one is one of my favorites because one hundred percent, you are right. It needs to be said, and it's more, and it needs to be said because we need to break free of the identities that were kept under to yeah. be our own selves and be the queens and kings and you know that we are that we are supposed to be yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. it's it's about accepting yourself and releasing yourself from this identity you've been put under absolutely and, and, and to your point like i'm actually turning that one into a book to explain it line by line and to understand that, you know, all due respect, there's like, it's two sides to that word. It's the side that is taught to, to fall under that word. And it's the side that's taught to see that word as a separate entity of who a person, you know, who, who, who the, the plan was for. And that's what people don't really understand. Like we, some people were taught to be dehumanized by that word. And some people were taught to dehumanize because of that word. 
Yeah. And and that's where the division is. The division of that word, like what you said, you are what you think. Yeah. You know, and it makes you think that either you are that word or you are not that word. And it's like, and also in the book, we're going to talk about how we how we think we take negatives and turn it into positives. But the only way to really turn a negative into positive is think about math. The negative got to become positive. Right. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. Gotta so you can't. It. Yeah. You can't have the positivity of it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so no, yeah. I got you. Yeah. And that whole word. And a lot of people don't like, like, even like, like somebody, somebody came to me and they told me, they was like, you need to write a book about that word because like my thoughts travel through parallel wisdom from about the equinox. Like what? Like, yo, yeah, like, bro, <laughs> your, your fucking lyricism is off the charts, off the charts. Like you're yeah. coming, coming here with words that like, I've heard them, but I haven't heard them in like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, it's like, whoa, what is she? Talk about equinox. Equinox, yes. <laughs> God damn. You know, that's that shit's crazy. You know, and, and something we talk about a lot on this on this show is the energy you put out into the universe is gonna come back to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's and that's part of the and that's part of the thing is those words have a certain energy attached to them. And yeah. so when you put those words out in the universe, you know, and, and you kind of made a good point. Um, or, or a certain point where in, in your piece where, you know, some connotations of this word aren't used negatively, you know, people use them with their friends all the time, yeah. the way, you, the way you were using them in, in the, in the piece, you mm-hmm. know, um, I mean, I call my friends a bitch, my, my male friends. So, you know what I mean? And I'm not, it's not, it's not negative. It's not negative or whatever. And they know it's not. But when you're putting those neg- words out into the universe with a negative or a harmful um, intention, um, you're you're gonna get that negative and harmful and, energy back. Absolutely. So I studied the universal laws of the universe, right? And what people don't understand is the law of record. Everything you think develops in the universe. We are here to be expressions of the universe. So even the universe does not joke. The universe does not know what no means, not means. The universe is always progressing forward. When you say, okay, you want me to create a bitch? Boom. So, and then what that statement in the in the Bible and biblical books that say that life and death is in the tongue. We do not understand the true meaning of that because we use it so lackadaisically. We don't understand our own breath is the power of God. I mean, even words like love, like I I love this, I love that. I'm there. There's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite poems. Um, it's called Reach by um Guante or Kyle Maria. Um, Mm -hmm. you should go check him out on uh YouTube. But and he says, um, people use the word awesome to describe things that are barely above average. Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes on to list a bunch of things that people say are awesome, like a favorite TV show or a favorite cereal. And then he says, God is awesome, my grandfather would say, and he is not religious. You know, there there is such a thing as awesome. There is such a thing as love. But it's not the everyday like, oh, I love this, I love that, oh, this is awesome, this is greatness. 
and awesomeness and words that are used all the time. So jovially and just, you know, off the cuff yeah, uh, is, is, you know, it's, it's kind of sad, honestly, because those words have so much meaning. Yeah. It's like what you're saying. People don't understand what they're saying. When you say the word awesome, think about what you're saying. You're saying all to some, Mm -hmm. not all to all. You're in awe of something. Right. And whenever you're in awe of something, you're creating a division between you and that something. And you're making that something a pedestal. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that's like a lot what you were saying and a lot now what you were saying. But what I'm saying, what like this English language is a cursed language. It is a spell. It is a it is a hypnotism. And when we use these words and we don't really pay attention, we lo- we use them loosely, meaning that we're not being intentional in what we're saying. So when we say, oh, you know what I mean? No, there's no, you cannot not say what you mean. So if you, you know what I mean? So if you're saying something and, and this, but this language is created to cause a confusion. And, and when we're saying, oh, I'm just saying that jokingly, oh, you know, I don't really mean that about you. We, we're missing so much of what makes us humans in that statement. Like you're right. identifying something, you're passing a judgment on it. You're using your breath to, to put that judgment out into the universe and you're casting a spell on someone Yeah. in right. that instance. Right. And it's like, then we're like, oh, well, why did that happen to that person? And it's, just, I've noticed, I've noticed just, it's part of the reason that we kind of have, um, it's harder for language barriers between, um, Americans and other nationalities versus each other because a lot of it's the most complicated language in the world and a lot of their languages are perfect to the point they'll say a lot of stuff in like you know three seconds um because and and they because they have like direct words for each other and they're so confused by us because we have multiple words that mean the same thing that are spelt the same, but they mean something different if you use them different. And then we have words that mean multiple different things that are spelled and it's all over the place. And yeah, it's, it is the most complicated language in, and I think that just like, um, we're like, we use words that they think mean like certain things, but we're yeah. using them in a context that they've never heard before. And they're like, because I'm going to say it like this, just like what you said, you like the first poem. That first poem is the whole point that you do to show. Everyone up here said they went through something and they needed a way to express it, right? And so my frustrational release is, first of all, whenever you're, re- whenever, whenever you're frustrated and you have these traumas, you got to put them somewhere. So as writers, we turn it into art. And I'm going to connect it with what you just said is because our word is bond. Remember that phrase? Yeah. Our word is a bond. But if I give you multiple words that mean one thing, I can't form a bond with you. Hmm. Huh. I, I like that. Yo, you know? I, I, think so that's gonna, what... I think I'm gonna need to read your book. I think I'm gonna need to hear, I think I'm gonna need to hear a lot more of these quotes and shit. You know, this is this is yo, and I, I I definitely you can't be to. yeah, like we can't be intentional if we don't intend. Right. You know, and and, and we don't pay attention that the root words of attention and intention is to tend. 
and tin and tinder mm-hmm. is the same. Yeah, you see? So yeah. you're not paying, you're not giving, you're not, you're not paying attention. You're not, you know, I you, love you, the way I love the way you break can break down words. And like I'm a big thing, I'm a big thing on that. Like I'm always I'll say to my friends and I'll be like, Oh, this is the do you know the Latin root of that is actually like and I'll say and they'll be like Dude, no one cares. And I'm like, well, you should care. You should. You should care. It's your language and you're speaking it. And you don't know what the fuck it means. Let me tell you something. Because if you're sitting under a tree, right? And that tree don't bear no fruit. You will think that that's a fruitless tree. But if you look at the root and you realize it don't bear no fruit because of that climate it's in. But the root reads it as an apple tree. Don't be surprised when an apple falls on your head. You get what I'm saying? Like a lot no. of people, like it's about the root. And it's like when you go back to the word and you go to the root and the etymology of the word, then you understand exactly what you're saying. Yo, exactly. I know what, the places, the places you can take me with that, like with your metaphors, bro. <laughs> like that just <laughs> like yeah, like that's that I I followed that analogy all the way through. That was perfect. Like yeah, that, absolutely. that is a, a perfect ana- analogy for that. Like mm-hmm. it's it, you know, if something's rotten. It's at the it's at the root. It's at the it's, root. Yeah. At yeah, the root. 100%. Exactly. Yeah, I gotta I, I gotta I gotta read more of your quotes. I gotta get your book. Um and I yeah. definitely I know you're I know you're a busy, busy woman, but I gotta have you back on at some point. That'll be awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. This has been such a honor. I look forward to if everyone could please, you know, go to Amazon or a Nagadis. You can meet me and Noble Jewels. It, N-O-B-L-E-J-U-L-Z because I keep the E to myself for my own energy, right? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. give out everything else, but I keep my energy for me, right? And so, yeah, and anytime, and I look forward to being on here again, and I'm, I'm going to go finish that book up because let me let me leave you with this. When you read the book, Niggas and Bitches, you realize that the original word is Niger because as in Nigeria, And I'm familiar with this. Oh, and I also, one thing I did forget to say is something I tell people all the time when that conversation gets brought up is, you know, that word means ignorant, right? Like that's like the, and I love that you put that in there. I love that you put that in there. Absolutely. Uh, I had to put it in there because that, that poem was inspired by as a man thinketh. Ah, and people don't understand. Even when you say ignorance, people like what that, Ignorance does not mean not to know. It means to ignore. That's the root word. You're ignoring who you really are by saying that word. <laughs> if yeah. you can go on and on. You can do a whole podcast yeah. on that alone. Well, you know, <laughs> yo, I'll definitely have to have you back on. All right. Absolutely. I'm going to thank you so much for coming on. Make sure you guys go check out her book on Amazon. It's called If Compassion Was a Quote. Um, and make sure you guys go follow her on Instagram and TikTok. Um, we're going to get Melinda up here one more time. If she has a small poem for us then I'll do one and we'll wrap the show up because it has been a long night and I apologize for everyone who, uh, was not expecting the show to go this long. Um, so Melinda, are you with us? Yes, I am. And it, it's been a good night. Fantastic. I'm I, glad you've enjoyed it. I actually was able to get the, the night off, which was nice. Where That's I would awesome. have been at work by now. Yeah, yeah. I I remember you saying 
um, that you had, you had requested um, vacation time. And I was like, wow, I, I really can't mess this show up. Cause this, this lady like contacted her job and everything. So I got to make sure this show pans out for her. <laughs> um, so I'm glad I was able to make it happen for you and get, get you on here on your day off. Well, thank you. It was very uh, thoughtful that you invited me also. And yeah. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. I, I love having you on. Um, so what's the, uh, what's the piece you're going to be sharing to close out the night? It's called carry on. Carry on. All right. Well, I will carry on and drop myself out of here. All right. And it's, um, I sat upon the porch. It could have been and watched the things of today go by. I could have grabbed a hold of things of today, but I had no reason uh, to. So there I sat upon the porch. It could have been watching things of, 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 uh, today go by but then the voice of god came whispering get up get up you must carry on i tried ignoring that voice but it was it was filled with love as well as being a little bit on the stern side so i willed to stand back up my legs were cramped from standing and i longed to sit back down but i followed that voice whispering get up get up you must carry on Wow, I like that. That is that is fantastic. Do you, is that um, do you? So obviously, you primarily write children's stories and your your you know obviously your memoir. But like, is is poetry um something that's like a regular thing for you, or is just something that you like dabble in? Because that was really good. Well, thank you. It's something I just kind of dabble in. It's just it it came to me and and that's. Uh, and then I wrote it down. Yeah, that is, that is really good. It, it kind of reminds me of some of like the, the older stuff, like, um, Robert Frost, um, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe not so much, um, uh, Poe, which is one of my favorites cause he's a little dark. Um, but it definitely reminded me of, of a more classical, style of poetry and I, I really liked it. I really liked Thank it. You. Um what what inspired that? Just the just the daily struggles of life and, and how sometimes it's it's just easier to like just sit on the porch and, and watch things just go by. And you you know you just don't don't want to just get up. Yeah. I I understand that. I, uh, it's an encouragement for other people, you know, that they can carry on, you know, and sometimes it's a pain in the butt to, to stand back up, you know, especially if you've been sitting uh, for so long, you know, but uh, you just need to keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, unfortunately, the segment where we bring everybody up um, for the night has been canceled due to um, family emergencies, connection problems, and, um, other emergencies. Um, I've received messages from everybody. They were all so thankful to be on. I was so thankful to have them on. So thankful to have you on. Um, one more time, uh, your memoir is called Inner Studio. Um, and you guys can find her on, uh, Melinda, uh, Um, and, Go check out her children's books and buy them for your kids uh, also. 
Um, and with that being said, thank you so much. I'm going to do one piece of my own. So if you want to stick around to hear that and um, yeah. by all, ask me some questions afterwards, um, I, that's how I'm going to close out the show. So uh, we'll get to that. All right, guys, I apologize again. It's been a long night. We're just going to get right into it. This poem is called Gray. Um, it was actually inspired by a poem I was talking about earlier in the night called Reach um, by another poet that I like. And um, this is more so this is more so talking about um, how we are all kind of in this gray area um, where we can't it. Well, we're actually all either in black and white and that the the gray area is us being human beings because we're all the same we all put our pa pants on one leg at a time as they say um you know whether we're artists what whatever kind of artists we are like you've seen a bunch of different types of artists tonight and i think that um you've also seen that what connects them is their humanity and um that's really where the gray area is is where the black and the white they come together and it is where um I'm, I'm you know i'm just gonna shut up and read the poem <laughs> all right it's called gray this is a poem written between the darkest hours of the night and the brightest hours of the morning written between slightly intoxicated and not nearly drunk enough between roaring self-confidence and cedaring insecurity this is a poem written not in black nor in white, but in the gray ink that blots out the story of our existence. It's not a guns rights protest, nor is it an NRA convention. This is me bringing a knife to the gunfight. This is not about siding with the left or the right. This is about looking down the center of the field and trying to find an opening. This is not about whether you stand for what you believe in or whether you kneel for what you believe in. This is about finding common ground. I'm not talking about black power, and I'm certainly not talking about white supremacy. This is a poem about a newborn mixed-race baby meeting either one of its parents for the first time because that baby just wants to be held and rocked. It doesn't care what color the fucking cradle is. It's not a woman's rights movement, and it's not a man's power struggle. This is that quiet moment of stillness and clarity right after the fight when you both wish things hadn't gotten so heated and wonder why you wasted so much energy on it in the first place. And despite what it may seem, this is not a protest or a speech. It's not a public service announcement or a come to Jesus moment. This is not a rallying point for the masses. It's not a call to arms. and It's not my attempt to make you see the light. But what we do need to see is the other side of the fight. See, at the end of the day, we're all the same, no matter who we choose to ridicule or blame. At the end of the day, your problems are my problems, and his problems are her problems, and them's problems are they's problems. And I know somebody's probably going to have a problem with how I use those pronouns, and maybe that's part of the problem. But regardless, the point is that these are our problems, because this is our home, this is our future, and no matter what borderlines, oceans, genders, races, or religions separate us, we can't afford to be divided anymore. It is tearing us apart. I'd say the best way to hide something is in plain sight. Maybe that's why we can't see all this gray 
maybe it's because our world is so enveloped in it that we've become blind. It kind of feels like we're just drifting through some endless wasteland of fog and we keep bumping into each other like some badly rehearsed play because we can't see how or where our path intersects with anyone else's. Look, I know things are just so much more certain when you stay on the beaten path and keep your eyes looking down at your feet. I know it's just so much safer to ignore what you can't see. And I know it's so much easier to carry on pretending to see the world in black or white through the rose-colored glasses that society has forced you to wear. But I promise you, once you take them off, once you pick up your head and pay attention to the gray that's all around you, your world will explode in a ra- into a rainbow of colors, and you'll finally be able to see all of these colorful paths that have been laid out in front of you the whole time, like the back of a children's menu, like the maze on the back of a children's menu. What I'm trying to say is maybe we just need to grow up and see the bigger picture. Yes, you might have to use a little brain power. Yes, you might have to read between the lines occasionally. And yes, you might have to develop a little fucking empathy to see it, but I promise you, it's there. Even in the air I breathe, there you breathe as you hear these words. This is a poem written between having the room to breathe and gasping for air. Between being completely exhausted and more awake than I've ever been. This is a poem about right and wrong about life and death, about you and me, about the choices we've made and the choices we decided not to make, about what we know and what we haven't grasped quite yet. All we know is that we exist. Everything else is perception, isn't it? And that is that piece, and I will bring uh, Melinda up here if she has any questions or comments for me. Hey, how'd you like it? Well, I really liked it a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you have any questions or comments for me about uh, the piece in particular? I, I understood it. Okay. All right. Um, well, I appreciate your, your feedback. Um, thank you again, 100%, like I said, for um, being on my show and um, coming and sharing your art and your um your life and your struggles with us. Um, and it's been amazing. Again, thank you to all the other artists, um, who had to go for personal reasons. Um, I really appreciate everyone being on here. Um, and it's, it's been a great week. So, um, I'll catch you guys again next week. Um, like I said, thank you again. And, uh, next week will be our last Thursday, our last Thursday show. So, Last, next week, the 26th at 9 p.m., meet me here. We're going to have a Halloween special. We're going to have a bunch of artists that you've seen on before and maybe a couple you haven't. Um, and then starting the um, month of November, we're going to start on um, Saturdays, which will be the 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th. Um, and then going forward from Saturdays um, on from there at the same time, 9 p.m., but I just thought Saturdays might be a little bit easier with people's work schedules and whatnot. Uh, so we're going to try that out and see how it works. Um, so I hope to get you guys there. And with that being said, thank you and good night.